Welcome to the WIPS Podcast, inspiring and empowering women to take the stage and up their game in the public speaking arena. My name is Chantal Bosset from Shabbos, leaders for your presentation, public speaking, and AV needs. Enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. My guest today is Frances Robbins, and she's from Salem, Oregon. Welcome, Frances. Hello. I'm so happy to be here. Happy to have you, too. Thank you. Let's just dig right in. So you tell our listeners, what's your work or business so they get to know you a little bit more? Sure. Well, I am a psychiatric mental health nurse practitioner, and I'm also the owner of Precision Mental Performance, and that's an online therapy service. Good. So, and that's different. I never heard of that before. How do how did you manage to get there? <laughs> well, I have um, I have years of experience working in community mental health clinics. And I really love to travel and I love to get out and do other things. And I was just thinking about who is it that I enjoy or who I seem to connect with, with my patients. And um, would an online therapy be something that they would be, that they would be interested in because it prevents them from having to go for a doctor's appointment. So I did the research and found out what I needed to find out and I started this practice. And right oh. now I'm I I specifically am online, but I my husband and I traveled all over Asia about um four months ago. We were gone for nine months and during that process I was able to still talk to my clients and do therapy online and it really it really was a beautiful experience for me because I was in a place that I wanted to be in That's and for right. them because they had accessibility to me. So now what has happened which is very exciting is I'm we've 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 landed here in Salem, Oregon. We just love it. We absolutely love it. And I'm in the process now of kind of morphing my practice to where it's also a brick and mortar space. So um, just to be, to be accessible for folks who, um, who for insurance reasons or such, they have to go to a brick and mortar uh, facility nice. so, or, or an office. So I'm, I'm very excited. Things are exciting. <laughs> exciting things are happening. <laughs> and it's really interesting because you really piqued my curiosity. I was wondering, oh, well, that's different. But I can relate because some of the work I do with my own clients can do can be done remotely most of the time. And as long as you're happy doing what you do, it probably makes your consultations even better with your clients because you're in a bright state of mind exactly. every time. Exactly. And and actually the the um the folks that I have connected with and that seem to be drawn to me and that there's a real a real energy that happens happens to be moms who are um who have anxiety and depression or feel like they have that sort of a mental state. And so they're typically new moms or they're they have um children maybe from blended families and they're just kind of struggling. And so for that person in particular, especially if you're looking at a new mom, 
they don't have to worry about packing up their baby and bringing all the accessories, right? And, and figuring out how to get to the place. So it works out really, really well. Oh, good for you. And tell me, since we'll dig back in our public speaking uh, theme, how was your first experience as a public speaker? Well, it was exciting and it was also very frightening. And my guess is that that's probably very common, that people yeah. are, are excited. You know, it's very exciting to be in a place where somebody wants you to speak. But then it's also very frightening because you can kind of set yourself up to think that there's these um, expectations that you won't be able to meet. So for me, I was actually speaking to a pretty large crowd of, of, um, of people in an organization. And I actually, at the time, I was their leader. And it was getting in front of this organization and sharing my vision. And, the, and the, being able to communicate effectively what my vision was so that they would be inspired to to you know, join the vision as well and move the company forward. And finally, how did it end up being? How was that first time? <laughs> well, it wasn't, I didn't get a standing ovation. You know? Uh, you know what? We don't get that many either. I guess it takes a whole lifetime to get a few. <laughs> yes, yes. And I discovered that at the time it wasn't, um, it wasn't, I didn't articulate it well enough and that it actually, I had to go back and, and re revisit it and speak more. So I learned from that experience that preparation is very important and that, um, really, really knowing how, how you're going, not just preparation of the subject matter, but how you're going to deliver it who you're delivering to a yes. whole gamut of questions, but I, I didn't, I didn't necessarily think it was their problem that the met that they didn't act in the way that I wanted them to. I really looked at it like, okay, I didn't communicate something clearly. And then I went back with a critical look. What did I do? What could I have done better? Oh, and really sorry. it was my first experience. So that's it. And you know what? It wasn't that bad either. And just out of curiosity, had, did you have any other challenging experiences? Maybe something that you figured, oh, that really did not go well. And what did you learn from it? Well, I have had um, a situation where I was actually having to deliver a message to a group of, uh, we'll call them alpha males. So this is a group <laughs> of men who were, um, who are top notch in their field and, um, and very, um, competitive. And I, they also had a, um, a high, a high probability of alcohol use. And, and, uh, and I was brought in as a mental health person to talk to them about alcohol addiction. So, I'm delivering a message that they do not believe that they are even, <laughs> even a problem, right? And so I was challenged constantly. And I was the female in a group with a bunch of these alpha males who were, you know, just put off by the fact that I had a message that they really, really did not want to hear. 
You made them really uncomfortable. (laughs) It was super uncomfortable, super uncomfortable. And it actually, it actually turned out to, to be, I don't know how well it was received, but as I was talking to them and I would, you know, I have, I have this whole outline in my head and I'm thinking, this is not working, (laughs) going very well, that, um, I pretty much tossed the outline out of my head because I know the material very well. And I just started talking to them on why as competitive males, would they ever want to do something that would, that would, um, that would give them less of a competitive edge. So I really discovered kind of what we would call, I guess now pain points into why they would want to listen to the message. So it, took a turn for the better. Uh, but it was very, very rocky. And I was very red and certainly sweating and just like, Oh, my goodness, how long is this gonna last? And, and this is just a bad idea. But it turned out it turned out well received. But you made sure, okay, let's toss the, the game plan and just move through it and try something else. Mm-hmm. That is a great way to handle it because it proves that whatever you prepared, if you find out that, Ooh, this is really not going well. There's mm-hmm. always a time to just change the plan. Right. And, and really they were challenging me and they weren't, um, they weren't heckling and that sort of thing. But they would, if I would say this research shows this. Well, what research? What I, what journal did that come out of? How do you know these things? That kind of stuff. So it was, it, they didn't want to necessarily believe what I had to say. And it really took, oh my gosh, it seemed like hours, but it was probably 15 or 20 minutes of this question and challenging yeah. back and forth that I, that I, I knew that these were, these were competitive people. These were competitive men who were always looking to one up the person next to them. So that's when I, I was thinking, okay, what do I know about alcohol? Well, we know that it, it causes a lot of problems and it can dull your senses and it can slow your, your um, response times down. It's also an addiction. It can be turned into an addiction. And so then that's when I started thinking about, I completely changed the subject and just started talking about their competitiveness. What makes them better than the guy next to them? And, and then from that, I said, why would you, why would you do something knowingly that it's going to reduce your competitive edge? Wow. And so that started the conversation and then we were able to move forward. (laughs) Man, it was rough. But I really love your story because it proves one thing. We're, experts at what we do and there's always a way if we try to keep calm (laughs) oh yeah yeah that's one thing but you really you know you changed it for the better so good for you I really like that (laughs) thank you and now we want to do that painful thing but let's be a little bit more (laughs) joyful what's your greatest memory from taking this stage and why well, this is very good. So again, it's a, it's a mental health theme because it's pretty much what I do. I speak about what I know and I'm usually invited to speak to people or speak to groups. So in this case, there was, um, there was an awareness on suicide. 
So there was, this was during a month we have, we have months of the year that we really just kind of highlight certain things that people need to be aware of. And although it was a somber subject, I was talking to a group of people and I just wanted them to know what they needed to do in the event that somebody came up to them or if they were themselves struggling with thoughts that they would be better off dead. And it's something that a lot of people are, are um, rightly so, um, you know, very, very uncomfortable with and not really sure what to say to someone and, and really not sure how to, how to react and just all, it's just a super uncomfortable conversation. But we know, we know from research that if you're having those thoughts, the very best thing you can do is to talk to somebody and preferably somebody that loves and cares about you. If you don't have anybody that you believe loves or cares about you, then that's where those hotline come, those hotline numbers come in. But we have a lot of people that pass our life that, that, um, they believe that you care about them or in fact you do care about them. Maybe it's a um, coworker at, at the office or, or someone that you just know from um, a casual acquaintance. I don't know. But, the, but what I was wanting to do is provide them with the information that they would feel very comfortable without this cumbersome checklist and what do I do, what do I do, what do I do, and then under, explain the rationale behind it. So it was a pretty lengthy discussion, and then I was done and off we went. Well, later, it was a while later, I was actually approached by someone who was in attendance that day. And they told me and they thanked me for what I had to say. And they told me that they had an acquaintance who came to them and started talking to them about that this person had thought that they would be better off dead. And they knew what to do. And they just felt so empowered by that and really wanted me to know that that made a huge difference. And so that was just a, I mean, that's just a feel good situation and that their, their acquaintance actually got help and is doing fine. Yes. And I, what I like about your message makes me realize often people try to think, okay, it has been a success because I had immediate feedback. But it's not always the case when we mm-hmm. sit in front of an audience. Sometimes you're right. It can be quite a while later and we realize we've made a difference. So if we had an experience that seems to be okay, you just never know. It might turn out being an experience that was amazing because mm-hmm. you got feedback, but just later on. Right. So we have to... We have to make sure we realize our impact can be more in the future and not only an immediate one. So that's another great story. <laughs> and we touched preparation a little bit when you we started the discussion. And I would like to know, how do you prepare for your presentations? Well, after learning that winging it is not a good plan. <laughs> and... And setting your own personal ego aside, thinking that, oh, I've got this, no problem. I really started, I really started to develop a process that I think is very helpful and I think it would benefit your listeners greatly. And there are probably, there's probably people that are doing this, but this is what I do. The first thing I do is when I am approached about presenting, I want to know why. Why, first of all, why are they, why are they seeking me? 
And why am I speaking on this subject? So is it because I'm an entrepreneurial woman? Is it because I'm a mental health therapist? Is it because I'm, um, I prescribe psychotropic medications? Is it because I live in, a, in this town of Salem? I don't know what the why is. So I want to know why are they speaking? Why are they asking me to speak on this particular subject? The next thing I want to know is why are the people in the audience, are they mandated to be there? Mm-hmm. Are they, are they um, coming? Are they paying to be there? Are they um, seeking, um, are they in some sort of situation where this is very meaningful to them? I have no idea. So I want to know, first of all, why am I speaking on the subject? And the next one is, why are they in attendance? Why are those people in attendance? And then the, the third one, which kind of goes in with the second one, is why is this subject so important that these people are attending? So let's set aside that it's not mandatory. And I want to know, if I'm speaking on a subject, why are those people attending? When I know those things, then I write all that down, and then I look for the what. What are the audience seeking? What are they seeking? What is it that I can give them that's meaningful and that changes their life? And then what can I do for them? So once I discover the why and I discover the what, then I begin crafting my presentation. And I become very engrossed in the subject and I look at it from as many forms or many perspectives as possible. So I think about if I'm sitting in the audience and someone is talking to me about a subject and maybe I'm mandated to be there, I've got to, I want to make sure that the message, if they're mandated to be there, somebody else has made the decision that this is important for them to be there. So I feel like I have to be able to deliver the message in a way that is meaningful and entertaining to them that will stick with them other than, other than just going through like a checkbox. Like we have to hit these points so that you can say you did this, you know, you spent this time with me. Absolutely. And then I would say that this whole thing is not a simple process. You know, obviously it takes time and I typically, you know, will just spend as much time as I can um, in preparing as much time really as, as I have available to me. I, um, I like to start off each presentation kind of explaining who I am and, and why I am there and what the audience member is going to get out of the presentation. And then I'm also very time sensitive to the time that's allotted to me. Absolutely. And then I welcome, and I welcome questions. Uh, I really try to fit questions in there so that it's not always me delivering a message but it's me delivering a message. There's engagement with the questions as, as appropriate. And then if there is no questions, I have, I can continue to speak on the topic. So those are the big things that I do that help me. And it's really made a big difference because then I feel like when I get on, get on the behind the podium or on the stage, I'm empowered and I'm, and I'm able to deliver something that I truly believe is is essential for the audience member. I truly like the focus you put on the audience because that's a very important point that I Mm -hmm. repeat all the time. They need to feel that we care about them. They need to feel that they'll have value out of it. Mm -hmm. 
the process that you've developed yourself will be very valuable. And I think listeners should take notes and try to see what makes sense for them and just replicate that because it is a very smart way to prepare. And as you mentioned, to feel empowered because that's the whole point of being on stage. If you look like you're scared to death, then there is no impact for the audience. Right. Oh, that's a great one. And finally, what would you be willing to share? What's your one tip that you would give to women that want to take the stage in a more powerful way? Well, I would tell them to be bold, (laughs) that they have a strong message to give, and your audience is eager, eager to learn from you. Absolutely. So don't be afraid, people. Be yourself, too, because that's an important way to make our message go through. Oh, Francis, it was really a joy to have you on the podcast and be able to share all that valuable information. Thank you very much. Oh, thank you. And I'll be sharing with the listeners underneath the, uh, the podcast player, they'll have your information and your links. So I invite them to connect with you, oh, and wonderful. With you at the same time. So thank you again. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. It's been great chatting. We hope you enjoyed the show. Please tell us what you think by commenting and even share with your own networks to inspire and empower others to do public speaking. 